to kindergarten ready, what really matters. Kindergarten Ready is a podcast about child development in the first five years. Here, we'll try to uncover what really matters and just what it means to be kindergarten ready. Greetings all, I'm Dr. Gene Ouellette, researcher, director of the Language Literacy Learning Lab, and professor of psychology at Mount Allison University. On this episode of Kindergarten Ready, What Really Matters, let's focus on the title of the podcast again and consider some specific tips for kindergarten readiness. It is that time of the year after all, or I guess it would be if this wasn't the year of apparent Armageddon, oh, how we will not miss you 2020. But still, for many areas, it is getting close to that time time for school to start. So it seems like an appropriate time for us to talk about kindergarten readiness in the traditional sense of the term. We'll consider what some top Google search results have to say for themselves. Hey, you web pages, what do you have to say for yourselves? And we'll even hear from a real life kindergarten teacher. Yes, no make-believe here. And you get a little bit of a break from having to listen to me. I mean, you still hear from me. It's my show after all. And actually, I got a brand new microphone, which I'm quite excited about, so I have to use it. So take that. Let's explore this topic together and test out this new microphone this week on Kindergarten Ready, What Really Matters. What is it? So let's talk kindergarten readiness. I've spoken on past episodes uh, about constrained versus unconstrained skills. Constrained skills like learning the alphabet, meaning that there's a ceiling where mastery is achieved. Uh, versus unconstrained skills like vocabulary that you continue to develop and grow over time, even throughout life. I've also spoken about the difference between traditional definitions of readiness in terms of discrete skills to check off a list and more general, almost holistic conceptualizations of readiness like we discussed in the episode of Emergent Literacy. Today, let's consider both specific checklists and skills as well as some more overall general advice. A little bit of everything, if you will, but unite it by a focus on an admittedly somewhat narrow definition of readiness, that being getting kids ready to actually go to kindergarten. Being the skilled researcher that I am, uh, to tackle this week's topic, I googled kindergarten readiness. The top three hits were a page from Scholastic, the educational publishing company, which gives a detailed list type of approach. Then there was something from an organization called understood.org, I'm not sure who they are. I mean, they don't even have a .com address, but they got in the top three, so good for them. And truth be told, it's a a pretty decent website. Number three on the list came from the Mayo Clinic, which automatically gives it some credibility. And they give both specific areas or skills to look at, but also some more general advice as well. So without any further ado, let's take a look at these top three hits, shall we? In a little more detail. First up is Scholastic. If you're not familiar with Scholastic, they're a very large educational publishing company. They do a lot of materials that they market directly to teachers. Uh, And so I'd have some pretty high expectations for this site. It starts off with a, a blurb, and let me just read this to you. Success in the fall starts today. Kindergarten is an exciting time of learning and growth, and preparing your child for it early on will go a long way. Okay, yeah, it's an exciting time of learning and growth. I like that. But, you know, I'm a little uncomfortable with this notion that we're preparing our children for kindergarten. It almost sounds like a prep school for school type of approach. 
Now, it might just be semantics. It might just be that their use of the term prepare, but there's something about that. I, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that. Next, they give a list, and I'm not going to read it all. There's 18 bullet points, but just some of the highlights here. Identify some letters of the alphabet. Sure, we've had a whole episode about the importance of the alphabet. Grip a pencil, crayon, or marker correctly. Uh, you know, I mean, it is important to have proper pencil grip, but I don't know if you need that mastered before you go to kindergarten. That sounds a bit much. Write first name using upper and lowercase letters if possible. I've spoken on a past episode about the importance of writing your own name. That is hugely important. And if you can show up in kindergarten able to do that, that's a really great skill. I wouldn't be so picky about upper versus lowercase letters, though. Again, you don't have to have all these things before you go into kindergarten. Recognize some common sight words like stop. Okay, here, absolutely not. First of all, that's not a sight word. You might pick that up from environmental print, just like you can recognize that Golden Arches stands for McDonald's. You might recognize stop by recognizing what a stop sign is. Those are not sight words. Sight words are stored in a very specific part of the brain, the visual word form area, and that part of the brain isn't ready to store those words yet. So absolutely do not be thinking about sight words prior to kindergarten. And a matter of fact, there shouldn't be sight words in kindergarten. That's another topic for another day. Uh, recognize rhyming words. Rhyming is great. That's part of phonological awareness. Again, you want exposure to it. I don't know if you necessarily have to be able to recognize them prior to kindergarten. Manage bathroom needs. Absolutely. <laughs> you can have a lot of issues in kindergarten if you don't have bathroom skills. Get dressed, follow directions, clean up after self. Oh, those are all good, right? And then at the end, there's a, a little disclaimer, which is nice. It says, don't panic if your child hasn't nailed everything on this list. Kids learn a lot in kindergarten. Well, yeah, exactly. So why we have such detailed lists, right? So you know what? Overall, I'm going to give Scholastic uh, a C plus on this webpage. Next up, understood.org, whoever they are. Well, it turns out they have a really detailed webpage here, and they've presented skills, much like Scholastic, but they've organized them into categories, which I think is super helpful. The headings they have here are language skills, and they talk about speaking in complete sentences, using words to express needs, understanding directions, all good things. And then there's another section on reading readiness skills. Again, very good. And the skills listed there are much more general in terms of exposure than what we saw on that scholastic list. There's things like enjoy listening to stories, know how to find the first page of a book, um, recite the alphabet and identify most of the letters. Uh, again, it's good to have some alphabet skills. I don't know if you need to know all of the alphabet. And now here it says recognize familiar logos and signs, like stop signs. Now, that may sound the same as what's on the scholastic page, but this is worded much better. That is environmental print and exposure to print. Again, those aren't sight words, so I, I much prefer this wording. Draw a picture to help express an idea. Fantastic. Uh, start to connect letter sounds to letters, like the sound of the first letter in their names. That's phonological awareness, and that was a topic uh, discussed on a previous episode. Really critically important skill, but I'm not sure we need to have that prior to kindergarten. That's, that's a really big part of the kindergarten program. Okay, next up is math skills. Count from 1 to 10. Mm, okay, again, that's, that's an important skill, and it, and it might give you a head start to have that coming into kindergarten, but that's not necessary. Recognizes and name basic shapes, understand more than and less than. Those are good language concepts. 
And then there's a section on self-care skills, and that is a really huge area for starting school. Use the bathroom and wash up on their own. Get dressed on their own, even though they may still need some help with buttons, zippers, and shoelaces. And know and can say their first and last name and age. Those are really good skills. Then there's a section on social-emotional skills, about separating from a parent without getting overly upset and interacting with other children. And then finally, there's a section on fine and gross motor skills. Now, they say use a pencil or crayon with some control. That's far better than expecting perfect pencil grip like on the Scholastic list. So, overall, this list, uh, you know what, I'm going to give it an A-. minus. It's pretty darn good. There's just a few areas in there I might quibble with. But overall, understand.org, whoever you are, good job. Okay, so that takes us to hit number three from the Mayo Clinic. Obviously, a hugely respectable organization. What I like about their site is it starts with the question, what is school readiness? That's something I've addressed on this podcast several times and will continue to address. The thing is, they ask that question, but they don't really answer it. They say school readiness isn't easy to define. (laughs) A bit of a cop-out. It's very true, but you can give it a shot. It then gives a list of 10 things. And these are much more general, overall developmental areas rather than specific constraint skills. I, I like this approach very much. Demonstrating a curiosity or interest in learning new things. Being able to explore new things through their senses. Taking turns and cooperating with peers. That's pragmatics, by the way, part of language. Separating with and listening to peers and adults. Following instructions. Communicating how they're feeling. Empathizing with other children, controlling impulses, self-regulation, we'll do a whole episode on that in the coming weeks. That's a hugely important area. Then they've got paying attention and limiting disruptive behaviors. So, I mean, that's a really nice contrast if you take that list of 10 and compare it to the scholastic list. The scholastic list were very constrained skills. Count to 10. Hold a pencil the proper way, right? Here, it's a lot more, this is almost a more holistic approach of taking areas in child development that are really important in terms of behaving and functioning within a classroom with other children and adults. I really like that list. That's a really nice 10. It doesn't invoke these images of flashcards and and preparation in terms of like a prep school for kindergarten, but it stresses the importance of overall child development. So good start, Mayo. And then they follow that up with a comment that these skills develop over time depending on the individual child's abilities and experiences. As a result, school readiness might best be understood not as a single goal, but as a process, providing early childhood experiences in an environment that prepares them to learn. Aha, there's a definition, or at least getting towards defining readiness, and again, beyond this list of constrained skills. I really like this. I don't know who they consulted to develop this webpage, but so far so good. Now, having said that, I think it goes off the rails a little bit. I find there's a weird section embedded here uh, next on the webpage where they talk about readiness testing and then delayed enrollment. It's kind of a, I don't know what that's doing there. Not a big fan of that section. So let's skip to the next section where it says, what is the parent's role in school readiness? And here, again, I like this a lot. They say, The parent's role in preparing a child for school is to create a healthy, safe, supportive, and engaging environment throughout early childhood. This includes several strategies, and then they list some strategies. And they list these strategies within categories that are, again, in keeping with this conceptualization of readiness 
in a more general sense in relation to child development. For example, they include some headings such as promoting good health. Again, remember, these are the strategies for the parent's role. Promoting good health, keeping wellness visits, reading aloud. And then there's a little blurb about the importance of reading aloud to children and encouraging play. Play, of course, is wonderful for creativity and self-exploration and also fosters language. They list some benefits for encouraging play, including improving physical health, developing creativity and imagination, developing social-emotional skills, developing friendships, learning to share and solve problems with other children, learning to overcome challenges and be resilient, and exploring worries or fears in imaginative play. Hmm. And that's very valid, right? Play is a really underrated means of promoting child development. And I'd add in there, of course, language development. Then there's a section on finding learning opportunities. And this is wonderful. Formal and informal opportunities for early childhood learning experiences in your community can promote your child's school readiness, such as museums or zoos, city parks, community programs, neighborhood playgroups, story time at libraries or bookstores. Again, we're not talking about drilling some skills here. We're not talking about flashcards and a prep school approach. This is a very general approach to readiness that's built upon overall child development, social-emotional wellness, and cognitive language development. Clearly a thumbs up for me. If you've listened to this podcast before, you likely have an idea about my perspective about readiness. I've spoken in the past about how even the name of this podcast is meant to highlight how readiness isn't just discrete, constrained skills, but rather can be looked at in a more general sense and how it relates to all aspects of child development. I also am a firm believer that the role of the parent is not to be the teacher. We don't have to sit down with flashcards. We don't have to check skills off a list, but rather if we give a loving, caring, supportive environment, we facilitate attachment like we talked about last week, we're aware of opportunities for language development like I've spoken about in previous episodes, We have a literacy-rich environment where we expose our children to literature and stories, but also to sound structure of rhyme and alliteration. We introduce the alphabet. We have opportunities to explore print through invented spelling. We may directly teach the child how to write their name, but really most of what we're talking about is an everyday experience and play. And I think that comes through on this Mayo page. By far, it's my favorite of the three. I'd give them an A. So what's the take-home message here? I've just gone through three web pages. There's been some commonalities that seem to be developmentally appropriate amongst the sites, and there's some clear differences. I like the organization of grouping skills by category, like we saw in the understood.org site. Language, literacy, numbers, self-care, social, emotional, and motor skills. Those are really helpful categories, I think. I like how these sites do have disclaimers that parents shouldn't get too bent out of shape about specific teaching areas. But yet I do worry about sort of the checklist approach and this idea like Scholastic says about preparing our children, that it does elicit thoughts of direct teaching, sitting down with flashcards, putting stress on children when that really shouldn't be the case. Once more, a loving, supporting environment, a rich language and literacy environment, opportunities to explore, to play, to create, to have exposure to the sound structure of language, to have opportunities to explore print through invented spelling. That's really the key. So looking back over these three web pages, I'd give the top grade to the Mayo Clinic, understood.org coming in second, and Scholastic at a distant third. If there's one area that's missing from all three, it's really the focus on just having an overall positive attitude and having some excitement building about going to school. 
and fostering a love of learning in children. And with that being said, let's finish up today by hearing from our real-life kindergarten teacher. An amazing teacher with many years' experience. Uh, I told her I wouldn't put in the actual number lest it date her. But trust me, this is one of the best kindergarten teachers out there. So let's hear words of wisdom from Mrs. S. So as a kindergarten teacher of many years now, I have looked at many different children and every child comes in unique and special. And that's for sure that there's no set answer. There's no list that you're going to go through. And if you've got those all checked off, your child will be successful in kindergarten because it's a learning experiences and there's new experiences every day and we need to learn how to deal with them. So one of the things I do find that really helps a child is a parent's attitude about going to kindergarten. If they are positive and are willing to point out the small things when a child is learning and and showing them success and being able to compare that to the school system, like, oh, hey, you know what? How many mud cakes did you just make in the backyard? Oh, I made five. Oh, hey, do you know those are kind of things that you're going to learn at school? You'll get to play that way and starting to bring the positive attitude towards it. The more excitement you have for your child, the child just then starts to believe that, wow, this is an awesome place, you know. Hey, I could go to Disney or I could go to kindergarten. It sounds just as exciting. So that really helps a child. I know parents are nervous. I certainly was when my three children went to school. But if you show all those fears, the children can pick that up. So just being positive, saying, yes, we're doing this. It's going to be awesome. You know what? Find out what their child might be afraid of. Start dealing with those kind of fears beforehand and and giving them those chances to talk through their feelings. So it's the parent's attitude that I really do find helps to set the beginning of the whole thing for starting kindergarten. Another thing that I kind of thought about was fostering the independence. Certainly age-appropriate things, but being able to put on your own sneakers is a big accomplishment for a five-year-old that if they are coming in and see 20 other students all putting on their sneakers and they can't do that, that can become frustrating for them. So I always tell parents when they start, when they're going out to buy sneakers at, at the beginning of the year, go take your child with you. If your child can put the sneakers on when they're in the store, then you know what? He will be successful when he gets to school. There's nothing worse than if, if you can't get the sneaker on your child, probably they're not going to be able to get that sneaker on. So that's, that's just one way to build confidence. Knowing how to zip their, their jackets. Because remember, I'm going to be with all 21 of them. So if they can do those kind of things, it, it just really does. It builds their confidence. Another thing that I always tell parents is to pack a lunchbox a couple of weeks before they go to school and start having lunch out of their lunchbox. It's amazing to find out what, what are the little spots that they're having problems with. Can I, can I zip this? Oh, this container really doesn't work. You know, so you might go out and have to start looking for different containers that will make your child be able to, to uh, be successful with, uh, with their lunch. And lunch is a big thing. They have snack and they have lunch. So they've got to figure out, what do I eat for lunch? I will tell you, if you give it, leave it to your child, if, if you have a treat food in there, that will be what they probably think as their first thing to eat. Talking that and going through those kind of things, just familiarizing them with, you know, oh, sometimes we're going to need to wait. Oh, we all can't be first. Start talking about those things. Playing board games, I really believe in playing board games with children. But parents, please remember that sometimes your child needs to lose. Oh, I never thought of that. 
But when they're in a classroom of 21 children, they need to know that they're not always going to be the winner. How do I deal with that? Start helping with the emotions that go with that. How can I talk that through? Is it okay? How do I feel when I lose? Those sorts of things that we will talk about really helps when you've gone through those. Lowering the child's frustration level really will make it more successful for them. And if they've walked themselves through some of these things, I, I do think it really will help. And I've seen that certainly over the years. And of course, I believe in exposure to the world of literacy. It, it is certainly something that starts at birth. As the children get older, certainly using storybooks, we, we do a lot of now of oral storytelling having the children make up the stories, talking about the, the beginning and how the story can go. Then act it out. We do things that way. Seeing letters in, in print, it doesn't have to be a sit-down lesson where, okay, you know what? I want you to know some of these letters, so we're going to sit down. No. You know what? You're doing that throughout while you're, you know, looking at a storybook, you know, hey, what's your name start with? Oh, if it's a T, <gasps> can you find the T? You know, those kinds of things are there. And it becomes natural. When you go for a walk, you're looking and, you know, on the stop sign and you're seeing, oh, hey, those letters. It's always amazing when, you know, the children are like, oh, I don't know any letters. I don't know any of this stuff they'll say. And then you'll, you'll hold up a stop sign and they'll, oh, well, that's the word stop. Oh, well, let's look at, you know, that environmental print. Those kinds of things are there. And it's so natural. A child just picks up on it. Uh, I know parents will say, well, you know, I never sat down with them. But, you know, we were always pointing out letters and when we were playing games and those kind of things, it, it just became a part of it. And, and I believe that certainly is a part. Um, one thing I will say uh, that really I, I see smiles in children's faces when they come in and they know how to print some form of their name. I'm not looking, I'm not saying print perfect or anything like that, but that they can print their name and put that on paper on a piece of work they've done. Um, the pride I see in that. Um, really is amazing because when you have a class full of children, the, you know, the, the expectation is they are going to need to be able to identify their paper and their name is something that's very important. Their name will be on their, their name hook, on their cubbies. It's, their name is everywhere. And it, being able to identify that at the beginning of the school year is something that like, you can just see them going, oh, I did it. One of the beginning books I'll read, I think it's Froggy goes to school or something like that. And, you know, and it talks about the, the first name he knew. And, you know, he's so excited. I actually know it. And they, then you'll always, in, when we do the group, you know, it's like, well, is there somebody else that does? And I go, I know my name. I know those letters. And, and it just goes on, you know, well, who's got that letter in their name? You'll have them stand or jump up. Hey, that letter's in my name. And, you know, it, it just, yeah, their name is so important. Reading, but interacting with the books, too. Just change the ending. Oh, you know what? That poor little bear. He, you know, he ended up at home with his parents. What, how else could it? What do you think? You know, start them going with it and getting them to make up their own stories. Uh, those are just a few things. In all of these things, coming into kindergarten, we don't expect mastery of all these skills. What we are hoping to see is exposure to them that we can build on if they have some experience with them. Do I think a child is going to be able to zip their jacket 100% of the time? No, we all get stuck. We get help, you know, when that's needed. But if they have no experience doing these things, it certainly makes it more challenging for a child when they're starting off. And with those words of wisdom, let's call it a show. Because after all, I mean, that's what it is. 
Thanks as always for listening, and I do appreciate your continued help in spreading the word about our little podcast. Special thanks this week go to Richard Gentry, who wrote some very nice things about the podcast in a recent post for Psychology Today. You can Google that if you're interested, and I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Thanks, Richard. And to everybody out there, thank you. Until next time, cheers, everyone. You've been listening to Kindergarten Ready, What Really Matters, a podcast about child development in the first five years. Kindergarten Ready is a production of the Language Literacy Learning Lab. For more information about the show, check us out at www.kindergartenreadywhatreallymatters.com. Kindergarten Ready!